Y'all know what time it is. It is the one, the only. Nah, I'm not in the scope, but it's actually running before this go around. <laughs> <laughs> so this man, this time we're gonna do another three man weave. You got my man's Chris. You got my man's Drew. You got your boy Joshua MX. And guess what? In this three man weave, we have lots to talk about because you know the NBA just never seems to amaze me with what you get day in and day out. And one of our very own Chicago brethren decided to go eight-ish on ESPN doing his tour. So we're going to talk about that. We also got the, we got the Heat and the Celtics going in with the, uh, with the Eastern Conference Finals coming up. But we're going to start off with the Eastern Conference Finals. We got a little Chicago Skies talk too, but let's start with the NBA Eastern Conference Finals, Heat Celtics, all the storylines you can think of. Jimmy Butler, Jason Tatum, Bam Adebayo, Al Horford, what the world's gonna happen between the acting, the acting jobs of Marcus Smart and Kyle Lowry? I don't know. It's all theater, it's all theatrics, and I love it. I love it. Rematch of the bubble, but I don't see anything changing like the last time because, just like in the bubble, I definitely see the Miami Heat winning this thing in seven games. Um, just because, yes, this is a different Boston Celtics team. They're more experienced. They got a little fire underneath their belt. It seemed like they figured out the Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum dual dynamic. Marcus Smart, defensive player of the year. Al Horford is the, has been the key glue stick in a lot of ways for this nucleus, especially the way that he stepped up on an offensive end like he did in his last series. But come on now, this is Eric Spolstra. This is Jimmy Butler. This is... You know, Tyler Harrow and Duncan Robinson. This is Bam Adebayo, whose who's name was in the defensive player of the year uh, candidacy uh, role. This is heat culture. You got more reinforcements like Victor Oladipo coming to the, coming from your backcourt to add a little spice and flavor to the to the backcourt. You got guys like Kyle Lowry, who wasn't in the bubble with them, but this is a dude that if he can stay healthy, he can make he, he'll definitely bring that bring that defensive intensity. Amongst the perimeter, they have Marquise Morris. They got some dogs, but they got PJ Tucker, who won a title last year with the Bucks. This is a whole different Miami Heat team, just like it's a whole different Boston Celtics team from the bubble days. But the Celtics, like last year, to me, the bubbles are gonna pop. Bubble, the double bubble gum ain't gonna hold for them. You gotta get the strong Wrigley, that five gum, to make sure that it's you don't you don't just have a lasting scent of flavor for your breath, but every time you pop a bubble, it's always fresh. <laughs> that is why I am going with the more experienced number one seed in the Eastern Conference, Miami Heat. Gentlemen, I know, are y'all ready to pop some bubbles? Because I already popped mine with the Miami Heat. So anyone wants to pop my bubble, feel free to go at it. I'll start with either one of you guys. Who do you guys think is going to take it? Chris, Chris, if you would allow me. So <laughs> before the news came down about Al Horford being put in health and safety protocols and Marcus Smart missing this game due to injury, I was actually leaning toward Boston because I felt like of all the players who each team needed to be on the floor the most, they had the least amount of guys who can be exploited defensively. But now – for being out this game and potentially games two and three, 
that forces Udoka to have to put Tyson in the game at some point, and he weakens their defensive structure. Um, dating back a, a couple years in the bubble, Bam Adebayo, Adebayo took advantage of him. Now, granted, it was a different different team, uh, different defensive philosophy, but Bam was 21 of 32 with 50 points and 17 assists um, when he was guarded by Tice in the bubble. So the fact that this series is starting off or appears to be skewing toward the heat um, without the ball even being jumped up, we all, first of all, we're all we we're all losers because of that because we all lost because you know this this had the potential to be still does but had the potential to be an extremely fun competitive kind of throwback series um, where you got two of the best defensive teams in the league going head to head very similar um, kind of styles very switch heavy um, defensive teams but. The scales have been tipped now where the Heat, they need to get at least one of these. Really, they're starting off at home, so they really need to get both of these games, take care of home court. If Horford is out um, in game three, which I don't even know what the health and safety protocols are anymore in this league or this world in general. Like Everybody's kind of flying by the seat of their, seat of their pants right now, but – Man, it's 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 wide open for for the heat or the the steering wheel is is theirs to kind of you know clutch and, and take a hold of right now. Yeah, I gotta agree with you, Drew. Um, it's it's funny. I watched a short clip last week before that series ended, the Heat Sixers series, that Miami had actually gotten themselves into trouble by switching, and they were getting a lot of mismatches with. Um, with Joel Embiid down low, and they were they switched over to a more drop coverage type zone or type of defensive scheme, and that pushed the ball towards the perimeter, and they were able to recover a lot better that way. But without Al Horford on the floor for an extended period of time, I don't know how much drop coverage the South, the uh, the Heat will need to play. So much more of the um, scoring load goes then on Brown and Tatum and Marcus Smart to some degree too. And while they've shown to be able, I think having Al Horford there as a do-it-all type player on both ends really helped the Celtics out, especially with the absence of Robert Williams III. So I, I can't go, I can't say yet, but I would definitely look for the Heat to take game one. I think Boston has enough to really put their foot in the ground and hold them off in game two. This I don't see this series going any less than six games, but my money's on the Heat for Game One for sure. Good bet, Chris. We're on the same page. <laughs> Good bet. But even but, but but I like to just take things even further with that because one thing about Miami Heat basketball is off you know in the regular season they come out to play you know they do what they're supposed to do they silently win their games don't make a lot of noise type of stuff. But when it comes to the postseason, you better buckle up because they get down, they get dirty, and they make sure they – and they oftentimes are very good at forcing other teams to play their style of basketball. 
Now, Boston is more equipped for that because of the offensive talent that, do, that they do have and their ability to speed up and down the court. The problem, though, with, that I have with Boston is, honestly, as much as I love Emei Udoka, definitely well-deserving of the year that he's had, especially as a first-year coach. But playoff basketball is a different type of coaching level. And even though he's shown up, shown enough to get to where he's at now, you're going against Eric Spolster, who's a three, uh, who's, who's, who's pretty much a two-time, no, two, yeah, two-time champion. And he's been to the finals at least five times now. Like, and they, and this is the, and this, like you said, it's the Miami Heat. That's what they're known for. And known for postseason play. So, Eric Spolstra, I think, has a chance to run circles around he made the rookie coach in the May Udoka. And if he does, I wonder, I don't know how Boston will be able to respond to that, although they have that experience. I just don't see it happening. I, I think we, we should give Udoka a little more credit. I'm not saying you're discrediting him because there, there is a level of, of, green, of greenhornness, right? But you get to the playoffs with what they with what he's been able to do in Boston in his first year, considering all of the talent and hype surrounding uh, the Brad Stevens era in Boston, he's taken them further with a better like it's a better team somewhat. But he was able to do more in terms of I think team chemistry and identity than Brad Stevens did in his time there. Granted, Brad Stevens. Uh, put Isaiah Thomas help, helped put Isaiah Thomas back on the map, and he did carry some teams that he held teams together, sometimes by string and and spit and and hope. But so in that to that same degree, I don't think we can fully discount what Emmanuel Dunk has been able to do on both sides of the ball with the Celtics team. Again, no Robert Williams, but they were able to defend Milwaukee so well those last two games of the semifinal series. And even though Miami is different, they don't have a Giannis Antetokounmpo on the team. Even in from three-point range, Jimmy Butler, I think, shoots it worse than Giannis does. And he is their bona fide superstar of, of, of any caliber, really. And, you know, until my guy Max Struess really takes that next step. <laughs> uh, but, you know, Blue I think beer, they'll, they'll beer, be able baby. to... I, I want him to do it, man. Lewis University graduate. I want him to do it. Um, it's. I think they'll be able to be more creative, even with a team that plays so. You know, you can't necessarily stop any one person, but if you cover everybody, and I think they can, even with Al Horford out, you give them a chance. They give themselves a chance to win, and and that's on Udoka. I think he can do it. Yeah, I wouldn't put it past them for sure. I understand both of you guys' points, um, but I have to have to agree with with um, Chris in a sense that I wouldn't necessarily say that Coach Spo is is about to, you know, give Udoka a masterclass in coaching. Like I think that he's um, done very well for himself in this first year, um, shown himself to to be a guy who can make an adjustments, who who can make adjustments, who can kind of galvanize his team. I mean, come on, I, the way that they defended um Kevin Durant and then how they defended Giannis Antetokounmpo like that doesn't just happen overnight that doesn't just happen because you have um the right players 
uh, on your side to do it. Like there has to be scheme involved. There has to be a back and forth. There has to be a dialogue about how you can go about kind of limiting or uh, slowing down these extraordinary players. So um, in that same sense, it also is almost like, and you guys know I stand for Jimmy, but Jimmy is not Kevin Durant. Jimmy is not Giannis Antetokounmpo. So um, if, 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 there's any kind of feather in the in the in the cap of the Celtics is that they've already seen um, the best of the East so far in terms of um, you know a shining star so to speak or the you know the brightest stars of the Eastern Conference. So it's 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 going to be about how they, how they defend Jimmy. Um, he's been dynamite in in pick and rolls. He's averaging something like one point two five points per possession um and, and pick and rolls which is crazy that's better than tatum um so you know depending on who they can involve in the pick and roll on on the celtic side depending on you know how the game's officiated because we all know jimmy gets to that line too um that's pretty good pretty much going to decide uh how this series goes especially if larry is going to be out as well i don't think he's in tonight yeah, he's out tonight. Yeah, so they're really gonna be riding, riding Jimmy hard, man. Pause. Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna vote. We're too old for that. I'm <laughs> <laughs> who, um, who do you think gets the time? I mean, they, they Kyle Lowry only played two games in the last series, so they were effective, obviously, in those uh, four wins without him. But who do you think in this series with my with uh, Celtics and Marcus Smart at the point of attack? Who do you think gets the call to run the point for the Heat? Yeah, uh, probably start. I think Gabe Vincent. I think he's he's shown the ability to step in and um, you know play well enough uh, for the Heat to do what they need to do. Um, but it'll probably be a little bit of of a committee type thing or. One of those things where he may start the game, but the closing lineup may look a lot different. They may, you know, they may have to throw Duncan Duncan Robinson out there or, um, you know, Oladipo. So we'll see how it goes. But, um, you know, to this point, they've been able to kind of survive without Lowry, a guy who they seemingly have been targeting since – we heard rumblings about him wanting to get out of um, Toronto. So, I mean, we'll, we'll see how it goes in, in, in that regard. Yeah, I could definitely see that. Um, but the reality is, we, you know, Boston has seen, like you said, Gerard Drew, Boston definitely has seen every, you know, I guess brightest star per se throughout the, throughout the Eastern Conference. But they have not seen coffee Jimmy Butler. Coffee Jimmy Butler is a different guy. He's even showing it in the Mitchell commercials. I'm just saying. It's a different guy nowadays. So you never know if you won't get the beer Jimmy Butler, if you won't get the, the iced coffee, the coffee Jimmy Butler. Either way, he's taking your money and now it's about a chance of dubs with it. We got we to gotta make sure that you we, we can't ignore the different phases of Jimmy Butler that we unfortunately as Chicago people did not get to witness while he was here in Chicago. That being said, let's transfer into the real Chicago, the real story of Chicago, which is one of our own Pat Bev. So sorry, coming out of nowhere, 
going crazy on the ESPN. He decided he just had a lot in, you know, installed in him, and he just said, "Wait till, wait till I get to the highest platform, the entertainment, the real life entertainment of sports, and come on there and bash the heck out of Chris Paul." I'm like, "Jeez, man!" I'm like, "D. Lil, what did he do to you?" He actually explained that though later on today with Stephen A. Smith on his show Stephen A.'s World. He came on the show and he said. This beef with Chris Paul actually started at LeBron James camp. Did he really explain it, Lou? <laughs> no. I'm gonna let you finish. I'm gonna let you finish. He just teased in a tad bit, you know. <laughs> hey, let's put this way. He explained nuts for us to talk about on the show. So he did his job. genius, <laughs> okay? So he did what he had to do with this. But he said it started with Chris Paul. He was roommates at the LeBron James camp with Steph Curry. He destroyed him in the camp. He destroyed Chris Paul. And he highlighted the fact that Chris Paul doesn't get enough blame for his gameplay compared to how much he's loved and beloved and uh, with other players. And when you think about it, not saying he's right. Not saying he's right. But when you say Chris Paul, how often does he get criticized? How does he actually have a point here? where when you talk about his game and where he's going, you can go back to the Clipper days. You can go back to the New Orleans, to the, to the New Orleans days, Oklahoma City Thunder days. Each team he's been on, to Chris Paul's credit, he is that type of guy where every team he's been on, every team has improved and gotten better and has had better records in every season he's played in. But he did not go to, go to the mark with the, uh, with the Clippers, failed in that. Did fail when it came to his playoff runs with the with the New Orleans Hornets, although he was younger, you know, didn't go as far as he could have probably. Um, you talk about talk about the Houston Rockets with him and James Harden. He was one game away from the from print, well, at least two games away before he got hurt, but they didn't get over the hump. Want to talk? You want to go to this year with the Suns? He gets to the finals. Great, couldn't seal the deal. And then you got this series where. If if out of all the games and series you could have you could have been in, you had to pick, pick the one game where you get blown out by almost fifty on your home court, and you make single digit points. So, here's my thing, man. Here's my thing. You 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 touched on it a little bit. A lot of these instances happen when you know he had these unfortunate circumstances with injuries. ESPN threw this stat up there where they said that um, Chris Paul has the most blown 2-0 leads um, in modern history. I, I forgot how they how they how do they how they gift wrap that, but he had five. The next closest person was Blake Griffin. Personally, I don't like attaching that solely to Chris Paul. You know, I, I would have preferred them to say teams that he's been a part of, but I get it. He's he's like the He's the head of the snake, so whatever. Um, uh, you know, it's it's a good kind of fadings uh, ratings fetch, but um, he wasn't the only one to have a bad game. Like you don't lose or you don't get beat down the way they get beat down with only one player having a subpar game. Like the Suns or Luka Doncic just kind of took their heart almost from the word go. Um, and one stat that I read, Chris Paul has played 702 career regular season and playoff games. And games three, four, five, six, and seven, 
are top five in terms of the amount of times that a team has ran pick and roll with his man. That speaks to how he can be attacked in today's game. That speaks to how the game has changed as he's gotten older. Um, it also speaks to Jason Kidd in the way that he, and we talk about adjustments, the way that he kind of flipped the script um, and helped to kind of wear Chris Paul down to the point where we can kind of rightly assume that it affected him, affected him on the offensive side of the ball. You know, it isn't just about how he turned 37 and all of a sudden the basketball guy says you will never be the same again because after his – 37th birthday, which comprises the last five games of the series, he averaged 9.4 points, um, 5.8 assists, 3.6 turnovers. Um, it wasn't just that. It was the fact that the the Mavericks really attacked him and, and sought to attack him with Doncic and, and Jalen Brunson and, you know, essentially wore him down where he couldn't be the same facilitator that he'd always been um but we've seen him be throughout his career and with the Suns, especially dating back to last year so uh, a lot goes into it man a lot goes into it um espn there's some nasty work putting putting pet bev on the day after man the day after the Suns get molly whopped like that <laughs> <laughs> You know, that's a very good point that you made, but it would be very funny if you said that to actually Patrick, Patrick Beverly himself because the way he was going on ESPN when you, when, when J.J. Reddick brought that up, my man said, no, 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 he can't play defense. Like, the league ain't scared of him no more. Matter of fact, dude went around and did, uh, I'm licking my chops right now, boy. Like, <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> but who is Patrick Now, I got love for P-Bev, man. I, I love that fight. I love anybody who – has the talent, but has the work ethic as well to take that talent to a whole nother level. But who is he to say that he's licking his chops against anybody? I swear, man, that's the wild, like, you got to have confidence <laughs> in this world, right? But this is why Southsiders don't fuck with Westsiders, man. Because <laughs> those cats are off the wall nuts, bro. This man, Pat, said, ask LeBron. And you know, LeBron just did an AMA yesterday. If he had done that today, there were, his mentions would have been crammed. Man. to the roof with questions are yo did pat bev really crook chris paul and lebron probably would have demurred because he's that type of dude but do we really believe it really like when when chris was already in the league and pat was still in a high school camp really do we really believe that he's a, he's a dog on one side of the ball he had a pretty good playoff series offensively this year but man, this cat is going off the rails, Joe. Like <laughs> people in here, people in here. I don't know if they're marveling him for being petty or if they're praising him for being petty. I don't know when pettiness became a positive word. <laughs> but everybody is just agog at this. I think the best part of it was not the segments yesterday with JJ Reddick and, and um, LeBron's LeBron's man Brian Windhorst. Uh, that wasn't the best of it. The best one was definitely today with Stephen A. Smith. And Stephen A., the, the camera kept cutting back to him, and his face was just. <laughs> and you know what that man was thinking in his head? 
was thinking. Our ratings are going through the roof, my God. <laughs> we are we are blowing out first take. We are blowing we are blowing Fox out of the water right now. That is exactly what he was saying in his head, but he was just sitting there when you're doing that the when he's doing the um the kind of lounge singer voice, it's like, mm-hmm. Yeah, now what about that young brother that you were talking about a second ago? It's, no it's, it's, it's crazy. No doubt. No doubt. I, I would say that I, I would like to see Pat Bev and JJ Reddick uh, stay on as far as ESPN will let them go because I, I, I think it has added um, much must watch elements to the show, especially JJ Reddick because he, he's not about the BS that mm-hmm. kind of accompanies a lot of these um, talking heads on these shows. So, uh, as petty as, as Pat Bev appeared to be, and as like blatantly um just contrarian as he was to everything everybody was saying like no everybody was trash nobody's on a level except for maybe Donchick and, and PG3 like it, it was fun to watch it was entertaining I don't even take it even a step further I think yeah ratings definitely plays you know Steven is loving the ratings right now he's in Miami Beach you know just Sipping on his little drink and having his fruit on first take and everything. He's enjoying Miami Beach right now. He's sitting here like, oh, I love this. I love this. You know, but I'll even go back as far as him. He'll probably even think in his like subconscious part of him. The blasphemy. Like the blasphemy that you have brought to this show to disrespect Chris Paul right now. Hall of Famer. Hall of Famer now. You know, he's a Hall of Famer. Made to the playoffs. Top five point guard all the time. He's the point guard. And you got the audacity to bring this blasphemy to my show. <laughs> and disrespect him. Um, no, I, I can't handle it. I can't take it anymore. You are delusional, my guy. You are delusional. <laughs> I can't do this. I can't do this. I think he's saying some of that too. Because, I mean, as you watch some of this, yeah, you could, you could definitely be like, dude, you look crazy. Like, you look crazy for saying, for being outlandish like that. But that's part of why you gotta love Chicago. Because Chicago, we are a blue collar city. We are a hustle, grind gang all day long. You can't do that unless you have confidence within yourself. So one thing Pat Beverly tells us children, for those that are watching this show, (laughs) always have confidence in yourself. No matter what the odds are, it's all about your mind. So always have the confidence within yourself to take things to the next level. Believe because whether it's true or not, it's going to get you somewhere. It got Patrick Beverly in the NBA, even though he destroyed Chris Paul supposedly in the LeBron James camp, even though LeBron James is definitely in the league. That being said. <laughs> hey, man, believe in yourself or no one else will. Hey. This is also true. Bev will tell you that. Well, I'll tell you, I destroyed Chris Paul. I destroyed Chris Paul. He destroyed I destroyed everyone that's coming my way. Like, like he was asking JJ and and C- Stephen A. Smith, I need to know what that means. What does that mean, Pat Bev, that you destroyed CP3? Like defensively, like you couldn't do nothing with you, or offensively, you were attacking them just as much. Like I need to know what that means. I don't even take. You know what? I'm glad you brought that up because you know what that highlights? It highlights the Draymond Green of TNT. Like if you bring him to ESPN, you know how crazy the ratings going to be if he's a full time analyst. Bro, put him on countdown with Stephen A. Smith and those guys talking about all of this stuff. Oh, he's going to go through the roof. Like, he, he he's setting himself for his post-career 
to be hired by ESPN to go say hits, to say the things that he wants to say and gets paid regardless of it, just like Draymond would do if he was in the same seat with Chuck. Like, this, it's the same. I think it's pretty much the same. I think if ESPN would, you know, be kind of smart if they actually looked into that because clearly Patrick Beverly, whether he believes it or not, within his own self, is a marketing genius. This is, honestly, if you want to do any comparison, look at LeVar Ball. LeVar Ball definitely went on TV, said some outlandish stuff that we know was out, that was crazy. He didn't believe it, but it kept feeding all the ESPN ratings. It fed everybody to talk about, and look what happened. Marketed and promoted his sons in such a way that, that now they're all pretty much doing their thing in the professional realms, especially in the NBA. I'm, I'm not saying that you know, that is a direct comparison. But what I am saying is, P-Bet was doing a pretty good job with his PR marketing moves, post, preparing himself for a post-NBA career. And, there, you know, he's also, I don't know if you guys also saw how he did come out and say, if there was anyone that he would want to play with from a superstar perspective, it would be King James himself. So considering that he's on the show saying, hey, how's LeBron? Talk to your boy, you know? That, 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 that's your guy. Y'all cool together. I did it at LeBron's camp. Could be saying, low key, get me the hell out of Minnesota and put me in LA with the king. He wants to be taken to the king. <laughs> so I don't, I don't know. You know, Ratchet Beverly is a man of many things when it comes to life on and off of basketball. But apparently it works for him, and he's representing Chicago in the process. So I definitely got to give him my props. Just like we got to give my props to my one, my only DePaul brother, Blue Demon Nation, baby. Dave Wilkins, another runner with a game, man. Let you on the show. Um, I don't know if you heard, but we've been talking a lot about this Patrick Beverly stuff and um, how, for the most part, aside from his outlandish comments on Chris Paul, even though there may be a tiny, tiny, like, you know, the 0.1%, of a, of, of a can where it's 99.9% to kill a virus, but that 0.1 is a little, you know, it's just a little disclaimer from a truth perspective. That may be what, you know, you know, you know what Patrick Beverly may be doing, but the title of this episode is five star and six star or five star or six star. That is referring to Chris, uh, Patrick Beverly being on first take saying, Oh, you're talking about Devin Booker as a superstar. Are you talking mm-hmm. about a five star or a six star? Because I heard. stars are things I haven't seen before. Superstars are things you haven't seen before. And he put Devin Booker in that upper echelon, even though Devin Booker got his book with the other night <laughs> on the biggest stages. So let's start with what you gave on in that regard. Obviously, give us your viewpoints on the Patrick Beverly situation scenario that's been taking place. But at the same time, is <laughs> Patrick Beverly in his own way? creating a narrative for PR purposes or is he trying to get his post-game career set up like like Draymond does with TNT and volume sports or like what's what's going on with Patrick Beverly and all the stuff going on man does he even actually have a point in all the stuff that he's been saying um in my opinion no he doesn't have a point um and yeah it's it's a lot of narrative pushing and agenda setting you know people um, in this NBA Twitter space that we operate in is fans and is people that, you know, consume media and write media in our own regard, you know, be it independent or not. Um, 
we got a lot of people out here who, you know, they pray upon your downfall, like Rick Ross said. You know, and, and anytime, you know, they get a chance to um, light you up when you down, they're going to do it. And that's what Pat Bev doing. You know, but it's like my first reaction when I saw what Pat Bev was doing in the wake of game seven and that blowout, you know, uh, down in the desert that took place. My first reaction was, you know, you still salty from last year's Western Conference Finals. Because if I recall, and, if, you know, from what I remember last time that I checked, um, you was pushing Chris Paul down, you know, in the aftermath of what Phoenix had clinched the West last year. With his back turned. Right, with his back turned. But yet you call yourself, you know, Mr. Tough Guy. You missed the 94 feet. And I respect Pat Bev. Don't get me wrong. That's my guy. You know, he's a West Side guy. Um from from Chicago and stuff like that. That's cool. But yeah, you definitely trying to make a play. And he's been on ESPN a lot recently in the aftermath of what's going on, you know, in Minnesota, where they blew games, where they had three games, if I'm not mistaken, where they had double digit leads and couldn't and couldn't and couldn't close and couldn't close out a series that they really could have had in their favor. Or should have had in their favor. You could make an argument for whether they were inexperienced team or not. Um and part of that falls on him being a veteran. I don't see him talking about that. You know, to me, I, I, I just um, I just have a problem with it all the way around. I mean, Chris Paul, was he playing hurt? Yeah, that was obvious. I don't think it took a, a scientist to see that. And everybody's hurt this time of year. And I'm not asking for anybody to make an excuse for him in that regard. And I don't think CP, knowing CP as well as I know him by covering him on an independent basis when I was writing on the Rockets, I don't think CP is the type of dude that looks for excuses. That came out on Mark Spears' account, not CP's. You know, James Harden's the same way. I know James was playing hurt during the playoffs. Like, everybody is hurt this time of year. But I do respect him for thugging it out and, you know, and trying to make ends meet as best as possible. Um, but what Pat's doing, it, it, it's kind of out of line. And I I, I kind of fall with Matt Barnes, you know, and, and his comments on it. Um, you know, that, that part of being a role player is knowing your role. And, I mean, and, and one thing about superstars, they always going to get – more respect than role players, even role players that should get more credit than they deserve. Um, that's just part of the game, man. Um, but it, it's a lot of agenda setting and narrative pushing going on. And I mean, I know people want to kick him while he's down, but at the end of the day, you know, Chris Paul said he's coming back. And last time I checked, every time Chris Paul plays, his teams are always better. They always get into the playoffs. So we're gonna be right back in this scenario a year from now. Now, whether or not he gets over the hump remains to be seen but at the same time i'm not going to discredit a guy that's a, a automatic lock for hall of fame do i think he's better than some of the guys that um we consider to be the all-time greats maybe like the magics the isaiah's of the world no but he's up there in his own right you know and it's and he's not the first guy that um has fallen short multiple times in playoff what was this energy in the 90s when john stockton was doing you know what i'm saying i mean i i, I just i just want to know but it was a different media time then. How dare you criticize an all-time greater athlete, whereas now we don't even respect athletes when we have them part of our platform to give them a chance to speak on the game, even though they see the game from a different lens than we do, just off the simple fact that they're in the trenches. And we not. I, I think you, you bring up an important um, point, Gabe, and I think it's been brought up before here and there, the, the narrative or the way that we – the way that the best players in the game are are viewed has changed. Like 
if you haven't won a championship, hell, even if you won a championship in some cases, yep. um, you know, you, you're constantly being picked at like your role kill. Mm-hmm. And it's, 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 some people say that's, that's a cause and effect of Michael Jordan, you know, uh, the Jordan effect, the Jordan effect of um, winning six championships and everybody that has come after him kind of being held to that standard. Uh, I don't know if that's fair or not, but that's, that's the era that we're living in. Um, I do like, I do like how JJ Reddick called Pat Bev out on the difference in his criticism for Chris Paul versus how he spoke about James Harden. Mm. Um, and he never really quite answered JJ, JJ's question, um, in that vein. But, uh, like we said before, like I was saying before you got on, Gabe, like I, I like having the dynamic of Jose and Pat Bev in studio with Stephen A. Smith. You get three whole different perspectives. Um, and, and it's fun at the end of the day. It's, it's entertainment. I respect J.J. Reddick because J.J. Reddick keep it between the lines. And J.J. Reddick, I can tell he watched basketball. And Stephen mm-hmm. A. and Pat Bev, while he plays the game, and I know he knows the game, they set narratives and agenda. J.J. Yeah. Reddick not with that. J.J. Reddick also has an old man in the three podcast, which is very great, in which mm-hmm. he sits down with guys, guys that have won rings, guys that have not, and allows them to share their stories and their truth. And I, and I respect that as well. And part of the reason, I'm going to be real, why I don't think you see Pat Bell talking about James Harden, because he know if it wasn't for James Harden, he probably wouldn't even be in the league. Superstars get players like Pat Bell paid. Where did Pat Bell make his, his way in when he was coming into the league it was it was overseas making a bunch of money and balling in the Euro League. He made his way in Houston. Besides Harden, Harden got a lot of dudes paid. And when you and, and, and it ain't no different than Darren Williams in Utah. You never see guys um discredit dudes who they was able to cut checks off of. Yeah. Don't you you don't do that. Now with CP, I, I still wouldn't do that because that's an all-time great. And I mean the way Pat Bev talking, you talking like you're not finna go into the trenches next year. Because these are things that people use as ammo. Mm-hmm. I know I sure as hell would. If I was Chris Paul, it's like, okay, that's how you feel? Well, we're going to see you four times a year anyway. You playing in the Western Conference. Yeah. I mean, Pat's a guy. Pat's a different guy, though. There's some guys who are just – Pat's a guy who, as Michael Caine once put it, he's a guy that just wants to see the world burn. <laughs> that's that's the kind of guy he is so you all the things that you said are right Gabe both for people like us who haven't played the game and for people like Pat who have or are playing the game there is a level of respect that should be afforded even to players that we that have some criticism coming their way that is not as merited you know not maybe not merited like Chris Paul or less merited like Chris Paul and maybe even more merited like Kevin Durant, you know, you can criticize anybody for things all day long because nobody's perfect. But what you say and how you say it really does matter. That being said, if Chris Paul organizes a shadow coup against Patrick Beverly, does Patrick Beverly really care? Is he going to is he going to go on TV and walk back his story? Hell to the no. He's not. He's not that guy. And even if even if what he says is not true, He'll say it's true until the cows come home because we don't know what's in his head, man. <laughs> we just there's some guys you gotta just say it's like we do not know what they're thinking. Dennis Rodman, 
even though we loved him in Chicago half the time we watched those games, we were like, I don't know what's on this man's mind tonight. <laughs> they're, they're, they're just those guys. They just are those guys. And there's, I can't say there's nothing wrong with it because it's outlandish at, at best and sometimes maniacal at worst. But it's, it is entertaining. We, let's call it what it is. It's theater. It is entertaining theater. And that's the whole point. Like I said, Stephen A., was licking his chops about the Nielsen ratings that they're about to get. Everybody else is like, well, you know, they're doing their thing, but we got to get up. So not only does ESPN have uh, a color analyst who is not afraid to speak truth to idiocy like J.J. Redding, they also have now a possible platform for Patrick Beverly, who I think the best the best thing about it is that his voice was not what I expected. He was so very calm and measured. And that plays well on TV for a guy who's saying the stuff he was saying. <laughs> yeah, and as far as the, the five-point and six-point star thing, like I just take that as people who are transcendent players, like a LeBron, like a Luka Doncic, like a Giannis Antetokounmpo, a Shaq, a Kobe, um, a Jordan, obviously. Is, is Devin Booker that? No, but he's most definitely going to be on the All-NBA team this season. So he – he he deserves his respect too, and just just the way he was he was coming at the Phoenix Suns and some other players. It's I just take it as gamesmanship. I don't even know if he believes half of what he was saying, um, but being somebody that's still in the league and has to see these guys, um, I think he gets off on. You know he wants he wants people to give him his best shot, and he's gonna talk and do this and that uh, to almost kind of instigate it in that direction. So I, I take it as, as just that. It is, but at the same time, you know, people, people, people catch phase in the league every day. <laughs> and, 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 and um, it's just some phase that you shouldn't ask for. I mean, like, yeah, you had OGs in the nineties, like Vernon Maxwell, Dennis Rodman, they would talk they shit, but they wasn't just doing that 24, seven, 365. Yeah. And they were the type of dudes, if you came at them, then you would hear from them but for the most part they was chill dudes but they had that side that they could tap into if need be yeah. pat doing it just on site and it's hilarious <laughs> to me and yeah it's for entertainment but at the end of the day if he's still in minnesota next year and i'm cp3 and i'm devin booker or i'm in their corner i'm, I'm they hype man or whatever i'm like yo when when they come to town y'all gotta eat we need ISOs. We need clear the holes. I believe he's on the contract next year, and I, I give him this. I know Anthony Edwards is is a is a very confident dude, self assured guy, but in terms of overall team mentality, like that team, Carl Anthony Towns, that team changed when Patrick Beverly. They they really assumed his personality, like the way they were talking. Carl Anthony Towns looking at air balls or, or badly shot balls and looking at it like you know flinching at it like he, he was doing a lot they were doing the most man and that's <laughs> i'll put that all on pat bev yeah and that, and that's definitely not cat at all but he, he he got he got some responding to do too i mean i i, I give them credit for what they did this season it was a it was a fantastic season for minnesota a team that's only been to what two playoffs in the last i want to say 17 to 18 years Yep. So, but at the same time, now you got to build consistency, and now you've gone from a team that's you know young, fun, and on the rise to what you what you gonna do now? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so what have you done for me lately, business? You got Absolutely. Show me.
Yeah, most definitely, man. Uh, you can't take you you could take a, a a Chicago kid out of Chicago, but you can't take Chicago out of the kid, man. And that's what Patrick <laughs> Dev. <laughs> that's what Patrick Dev has been doing. He's been. I want to say that, that he is a representative of the entire. I, I like, man. <laughs> that's a special case. That's a special deal, bro. Yeah, like, he really is. Yeah, he definitely is. You got some of that. You got some of those cats out there, though. They still make up Chicago. I mean, it's you can't. That's true. It's like that's like that's like saying that's like taking that's like Eddie Kane from the Five Heartbeats. Eddie Kane is a unity guy. You take him out of the Five Heartbeats, <laughs> still the Five Heartbeats. But he's Eddie Kane. He still will come up to you like, "How does it feel to be me?" Like <laughs> it's the same thing. He's still the Five Heartbeats, but Eddie Kane was part of that group. I mean, you get it. He's a unique guy, so you kind of get you can't take that out of it, you know. So, but hey, at the end of the day, Pebab is Pebab. He's doing his thing, and you know, like like Drew said, yeah, he is under contract next year. However, it was reported by one of our very own Brandon Scooby Robinson at one point. You know, as he was doing his infamous ESPN tour, he off camera said that he would love to play with LeBron James. Supposedly, LeBron James is actually open to that idea. Just saying. That being said, as we transition to the final phase of this running with war of and trying to figure out how many stars a person should be to be considered a star um you have the WNBA side of things where there's a lot of women stars in the world doing their thing and chicago sky themselves you know you kind of hurt me a little bit with that first home loss at, at, with the sparks oh it just tore me tore me so bad but then they bounced back they bounced back they got the dub against the Liberty, and then really they came back and beat the Bulls. <laughs> <laughs> brother so bad, man. I couldn't help it. It hurt. it hurt. But they came back and won two straight. And I got the perfect guy on there, my guy Chris, to talk about the Chicago style because he's up because between him and James K, what they do with the Scott Hook podcast. Scott Hook like Kareem, but only with the WNBA side of things. Ooh, call that a bar. That being said, man. Um, Chris, spill the way. You got the floor, brother. Give us your update on the Chicago sky as a whole, what you've seen, the things you like, and um, most definitely what to look forward to as we continue to cover the sky. Um, not just for what you do with your with your with the Skyhook podcast, but also here on the War Media platform. Appreciate it, Josh. Well, I mean, you, you everybody's seen it. The sky started off that season, uh, this season with that loss to the Los Angeles Sparks, tough one. They had the game wrapped up, even though they had already committed 20-plus turnovers. They were one really, really terrible Hugh Hollins-esque foul call from being 3-0. And in their subsequent two games against New York and then Minnesota, I believe they've turned the ball over a total of 12 times over, over both games. A marked improvement. They've got Rebecca Gardner in camp, who is must-see TV, even for a Sky Squad that saw the likes of Kalia Copper, Diamond DeShields, uh, Allie Quigley the past two, three seasons. Rebecca Gardner, it's a, it's mystifying to me that she's 31 years old and she's playing her first season in the WNBA. I mean, it's one, it speaks to the limit, the limited number of slots in the league right now. And it's just another argument for expansion. But she was tearing Sabrina Ionescu apart in their game against New York. And Sabrina's not the, you know, the most stout defensive player, but she was able to go to the basket at will. She has a nice mid-range game. 
she is going to fill in that slot that Diamond had for the sky of somebody who was able to get foul calls and generate free throw attempts for the team, an area which they're always lacking. And she's going to be a solid defender, too. They have a lot of decisions to make. Still waiting on Kalia Copper to come into camp after she just won uh, Eurobasket uh, MVP with her team in Spain. And Julie Allamond is coming in, too. And Allie Quigley just came back the last game from her knee injury. So the tough part for the Sky is that they have an embarrassment of riches, James and I called it on our last podcast recording, where at the beginning of the season we weren't necessarily sure what they were going to do behind Kalia Copper, who was going to back her up, who was going to play that wing role off the bench. Uh, Crystal Bradford was supposed to do that, but she got injured and had to be waived. So now you have Rebecca Gardner, Sparkle Taylor just got waived, but they have Annalie Maley coming off the bench for an energy and defensive presence. And again, Ka and Julie will be will be in the camp soon. And they even have Lee Yuru coming in from China earlier than expected. So now they have more height at the rim, backing up Candace Parker, Emma Beesman, and Azaree Stevens. There's a lot of creative things that the Sky can do with the personnel that they're going to have. It's just a question of how much can you delegate minutes to a team, honestly, to a team with this much ability and talent. Dana Evans, shout out to East Chicago. Dana Evans has been showing the fuck out this season. <laughs> honestly, she she had 24 points in her first WNBA start and scored 17, I think, in the third quarter alone. It was it was a performance rivaling anything I've seen at Wintrust, what Dana Evans did in that game against Los Angeles in that quarter. So the the things are starting to shake out. There's not continuity necessarily for anybody right now because everybody's still getting people back. They're trying to figure out um, who's going to stay on the roster. Again, argument for expansion and the salary cap. But the Sky are going to be more than all right. Um, the Aces will challenge. Dallas is going to be a good team. A lot of people pick Dallas way too low. Dallas is going to be a solid team. Um, Los Angeles should be good. Connecticut has the preemptive favorite for MVP of John Quill Jones. She's still a ball player. Uh, and Elena Deladon is back for the Mystics, and uh, so is Alicia Clark. So there's going to be a lot of turnover, I think, this season. And I think there might be a lot of teams mixed into that nights to say 18 to 24 wins of a 36 game schedule but the sky are going to be right back there as title favorites no doubt you know chris i gotta i gotta ask you this question about from a sky roster perspective because um the, the sky brought in emma meesman you know top tier player uh mvp mvp you know you know champion knows how to win and to pair that with candace parker in the first game that i saw with the sparks you just saw that, you know, there's a lot of kinks they have to iron out, you know, figuring out what role she plays within the offense. And I like the idea you could have Candace Parker really be the main five center and just have her be more of the, of the joker type of offense where you can facilitate and she creates the court vision because she has the court vision and the right uh, ability to set people up and playmaking. Um, but you combine that with, like you mentioned, now that you're getting Khalil Copper coming back. You're, letting, you're getting these other players coming back. And on top of that, you have other players like Dana Evans stepping up and killing it. Um, where do you see Emma fitting in within this offense? Where do you see how they could potentially move things around to make sure that she is not a lost cause 
with all the options and firepower that the Chicago Sky are now fortunately getting come, getting to come back. I mean, that first game, I saw the same thing, Josh. He looked uncomfortable in the first three quarters and really didn't get going offensively and started looking for her shot until the fourth quarter. But um, as James Wade said in the press conference afterwards, he did not do a good job of substituting getting players in and out. Now, that doesn't speak to Emma's play over the first three quarters, but by the time everybody wound down to the last five minutes, she was definitely tired. But lost cost is not is not even anything to worry about for her. She scored 17 points last time out against Minnesota, five for 11, two for five for three, and got four, uh, four foul shots out of there too. Actually, sorry, three for six from three, two for five from two. So... James, uh, our, our, our friend of the podcast, uh, Pretty Ricky Rue, coined the term the ace lineup, the Azare, Candice, and Emma lineup, where you can rotate three bigs, two of which can bring the ball up the floor and operate the offense from the high post or higher. Azare Stevens was getting a lot of chances at that first game from that launch pad spot on the low block. The Sky were running a lot of baseline screens to get her open. Yeah. And she could, and she's getting a lot of free shots at the corner from three, too. Yep. And I think she's hit a three in at least every game so far this season. Mm -hmm. That's not something you really saw from her uh, in her tenure with the Sky or in her abbreviated time with Dallas. So she's uh, she's been able to her adapt her game to the possibilities that the Sky have. Remember, Drew, I said the only thing that hold, holding Kalia Copper back from MVP talk was that the Sky had so many talented players that they're going to share the offense a lot. Four play, five players scored in double figures against Minnesota's, and Emma led the way with 17 points. You're going to be able to do a lot with Kalia Copper. You can play her with Rebecca Gardner and get that old two, two running back downhill fast break offense that the Sky would run with Con Diamond. And they can play well in the half court, which is something they had previously had some trouble with when the main facilitator was, was Courtney Vandersloot and only Courtney Vandersloot. Now you've got Candace who can pass draw defense, Dana Evans, who can pick up the slack off the bench, draw double teams, Emma Mieseman, who can draw double teams. So there's no problem with Emma in the offense. She, whatever the first game was for everybody, I think they've, they've got their head underwater and they're, they're used to it now. So Chris, I think um, the links and the Liberty are what one in seven combined, I think. Yeah. So there's only so much. There was already going to be only so much we, we could take from the games that we've seen the Sky play because their roster isn't whole yet. But given that they play um, the Storm and the Mystics, uh, Mystic this week, what more will those games tell us about who the Sky are or maybe who they can be? They had a quality win after the uh, Olympic break against Seattle last year. Actually, two quality wins. They beat them in a in – a, two away over a weekend series in Seattle. And it's not that the Storm are a bad team. It's just they're not as strong as they have been in the past, um, even with uh, Jewel Lord and our old friend Gabby Williams on the team, who's, who's done well for them so far. But it's going to be a test. You know, can they have somebody who can contain one of Brianna Stewart and Jewel Lloyd and just bottle them up? Jewel Lloyd's going to get her points. She's that type of player. But can you contain, can you limit her and or contain the rest of the team defensively? There were some defensive mishaps on Friday at the, the Sparks game uh, to open the season. The defense still doesn't look ex completely set. They had some miscues against New York, 
and New York has gotten off to a pretty rough start. They they let Nikolina Milic, who I believe is another first-year player for the Lynx, score 18 points, and that game kind of closed within single digits uh, in the second half. So defensively is what it's going to be about for the Sky against uh, Seattle and definitely against Washington because they just, they have Deladon, they have uh, a surprise spark in Katie Benzin, the Harvard and Maryland graduate coming off the bench playing point guard who is a lights-out three-point shooter. So she's somebody that you can't lose. And then uh, Maisha Hines-Allen, Washington is always tough, even without they, they let Tina Charles go to Phoenix. And they're probably not necessarily a championship contender, but they're definitely a, a semifinals contender with a player like Elena Deladon, even if she's coming back from her uh, time off. It's still a tough team. And Mike Tebow is one of the best coaches in the league. So I think defense is going to be key for the Sky in these this week's game. Can they hold these teams to 70 points or less? Well, if you put Patrick Beverly on your team, you might have a chance. <laughs> Candace Parker and Pat Bev on the same team would be so ridiculous. <laughs> Somebody would get ejected before the half. <laughs> I can definitely see that. That being said, though, man, we're going to wrap this show up, man. Uh, we're coming up to the time to watch the Miami Heat Boston Celtics playoff game tonight. Um, things that we haven't talked about that we are going to talk about tomorrow. NBA draft lottery that just took place. And uh, top four is very interesting order. You would think the Rockets would get the number one. Yeah, sorry, Houston, you definitely got a problem because you didn't get it. So um, that being said, you know, next show, we're not going to jump right into it today. We'll jump into it with the next show. So if you want to tap into that, tap in tomorrow. That's when you will learn uh the best of the best when we talk about the draft lottery amongst other things within the nba playoff realm and on top of all of that you are, you see this screen it is for, for our viewers watching this will be on youtube later on as well you'll see four beautiful individuals that bring a lot to the table you know we all have our own things going on so it's not just war media it's skyhook podcast on tap sportsnet um, it's whatever, Gabe. I'm sorry. I don't know the outlets you've been doing your stuff on, but it's on that one as well. On top of this, I'm on Twitter anytime. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> got a lot of stuff coming in the next six months to a year for sure, though. That's right. Yeah, most definitely, most definitely. So we all got stuff going on, man. So definitely tune into what we're doing individually. You see the tags on the screen. Quandary Kitten. Look what Drew did. What Gabe said, and obviously your boy Josh M Hicks Media. And you can follow all of our stuff, not just on board media, um, and on the Twitter and the Instagram, but also on the YouTube, board media, YouTube, as well as board on Anchor on all podcast platforms, Google Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, TuneIn app, Apple Podcasts, you name it, we are all over the place, wandering the world with our wonderful, wonderful knowledge of basketball and sports overall. So that being said then, before we cl- cl- close out, Chris, is there anything you want to say about what you guys got what you got coming up as well as you drew uh i saw a good tweet that we should uh we didn't have time to touch on but definitely got to bring up at some point about talk about a time where you scared off the the women will say it didn't say that but tell us about a time where you scared off the women with real hip-hop <laughs> it got me thinking <laughs> 
<laughs> uh, as always, support women's reproductive rights, support the reproductive rights of people, and support abortion rights. That's all I got. Hey, Amen. Damn, how the hell do I follow that? Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Let us know when you scared off the ladies with some real hip hop. I'm, I'm gonna just say, I'm gonna just say, uh, <laughs> on tap, we got a uh, player grades for the Chicago Bulls. I did one on, um, Zach Levine, one on Kobe White, and I got one coming out soon on Ayo Desumu, so be on the lookout for that. Uh, other than that, just, you know, like Gabe said, just hit us up on Twitter, man. Always willing and ready to engage with anybody on basketball or other topics, man. Now, we know, you know, you know you're not going to slide with the fact you didn't do doing this wake this wake up uh, segments with the, with the bigs, you know. Shout out to the bigs family and everything. That's that like you, you didn't do that. Over here, turning into the, the sports version of Wake and Bake, and ignore that, bro. Hey, man, I'm just just thankful for the opportunity, man. Just just trying to lend my my voice or my my writing, whatever, man, to whatever whatever platform I can, man. So I'm appreciative to those brothers over there, to to Terrence and um, Eugene, man. Those appreciate the shout out on that too, Josh. That's what's up. <laughs> What you no, I, said, I appreciate the shout out on that too. Oh, that's a given, man. You already know what's up with that. Uh, obviously, shout out to the bigs. Shout out to Gene and Tom, uh, Terrence for you know, you know, being part of the family uh, from the beginning, man. They're the real ones for sure, legends in the game. Um, and Gabe, I know you already mentioned that you know you got stuff coming up. We're definitely gonna look out for that. Yeah. Um, you should also be looking out on the for, on the fact that you know we're just the ball guys. So we're just gonna look out for each other. You know, Blue Demon Nation, baby. Monty Bates, man, I'm still waiting on this decision. <laughs> Trying to see what that top six looking like. If he gonna cut it down, if he gonna come on to the you know north side and really come ready to ball. Ah, uh, yeah, okay, I feel you. I feel you, man, because the Paul got some stuff coming up next year. Woo, people ain't ready. All right, be huge. It's right. gonna be huge. When trust me, gonna be rocking. But uh. It's, it's, but it's you know it's gonna be rocking in general, especially since you know we got the WNBA coming through with All Star Weekend. You know, that's it. That's a whole other thing. So it's gonna be, be rocking anyway. To, be ready to get chose, fellas. Hey, summertime shy, baby. Summertime shy, baby. Summertime shy. You never know what you're gonna get. I know what it's like, though, and I saw that tweet. This <laughs> campaign is gonna have a lot of five nine dudes under pressure. Yeah. <laughs> hey, you never know, Chris. Campaign, maybe have a champagne for real. <laughs> <laughs> that being said, y'all, thank y'all for tuning in on the show. Check out all the latest stuff before we got. We'll be back on this thing tomorrow uh, to talk about the uh, the part two of things basketball. And bef- like before uh, we sign out of here, just know there is a slight difference between a five star and a six star, but it's okay because at the end of the day, you are still a star. Take that confidence with you everywhere you go. Because at the end of the day, you are a star. Even if it has only four stars. Four, five, six. You keep going, you can make it ten stars. It don't even matter. It's all there. It's all there. That being said, y'all be easy. Keep bouncing.